If you decided to listen to this week's message of Dr. Day Central, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Today we're kicking off with a brand new sermon series, which I'm very excited about. It's actually setting the tone for the year. It's the focus for this year. It's the vision of this year that we want to firmly plant ourselves in. And we want to discover the love of God. In fact, we seeing that the Bible describes love as being the one thing, should you remove it from Christianity, if you take that out of Christianity, it's no longer what God made it to be. Love is the essence of that. So if we remove that, we don't have Christianity anymore. We have something else. And that's what we're going to be exploring over the next four weeks. However, before I do that, quickly want to ask, anybody love YouTube? Oh, I see the young guys. Oh, yeah, YouTube. I'm a binge watcher. Okay, anybody knows something called unboxing videos? Mm-hmm, and I see the faces. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, some people would call it research. Other people would call it therapy. But in any case, it's a reality in our lives. People love watching unboxing videos. If you don't know what it is, it's basically people just sitting around checking out videos of other people opening up their new stuff. They love checking. Oh, the new iPhone. We're going to unbox it. And then you unbox it. And I kid you not, my little daughter two years back, asked Gerda to open up her phone because she just got a present and she's making her very first unboxing video. And she was four at that stage. It was super cute. Her face must not be in it. It's only the thing that's focused on. And then she's like, ooh, check this. And, ooh, and then I got this. And then, and then, and then. It's like that unboxing video like took forever. But she was super excited making it. However, it's probably because people love watching it. Did you know that when it comes to unboxing videos in 2015, the year of 2015, the amount of unboxing videos being watched on phones is the equivalent of watching a two-hour movie more than 20 million times. I can see people are very excited here this morning. It's so lekker. Yeah, it's an unboxing video. They're super excited. Can you guys imagine that? Two-hour movie, 20 million times over. That's the amount of time people spent just watching unboxing videos. Over 90,000 people type the word unboxing in YouTube every month. It's like, this is huge. This is massive. Like, if you want to become a YouTuber, unboxing might be a good move for you. And that there are almost 40 unboxing videos at that stage already, that's like when it became a trend, with more than 10 million views on, which now, I mean, it's like dwarfed by now. So why am I telling you this? It seems like, just according to these stats, that people around the world are obsessed with the new. We love the new. We always want new things, like Brent's new shoes. Haven't you seen them? It's like king of the shoes now, this guy. I got the new stuff. So we always want the new. And we're very excited about the new. We, we spend hours checking out people opening up their new stuff. And we dream about buying our new things. So just by that standard alone, I have good news. Because Jesus is all into making everything new. <laughs> that is what he says he's doing as the king taking the throne in Revelations 21 verse 5. And you guys were with us last year as we started this journey. But he makes the statement. He says, behold, guys, I'm seated on the throne and I am making 
all things new. And just by this statement alone, the thing that Christianity is offering the world is not an improved version of an old thing. It's not that. It's not an old system that's getting improved. It's scrapped. It's a new thing that Jesus is doing. And just by that alone, I think the world should be queuing up to come and find out what's this new thing all about. But the question is, why not? And I believe it's because we have taken an old thing, tried to improve it and sell it as a new thing. And Jesus says, no, that's not what I'm into. My church, that's not the picture that I'm busy with. I'm busy with a new thing. And it's almost like our sure man here. That's the straw man. Brain said we need to give him a name. So his name is Shaw. Shaw, man. Okay. It's almost like we take a picture or something of what Jesus came to do, but it's not really what he did. It's an old picture. And we dress it up and it kind of looks like a real man, but it's only a straw man version of Christianity. There's no life in it. It's removed the essence from it. And as I've said, that's what we're going to be discovering, the depth of this. And I really want you to not miss one Sunday on this because this is essential. It's amazing, the discoveries that we're going to be making together. And we're going to discover, maybe you might find out, how much of your journey as following Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, being a Christian, is still connected to a straw man version of Christianity and not the real version, not the one where he makes everything new. And today we're going to start off by looking at three things. So Jesus started something brand new. He's not revamping a broken thing. He's reviving the whole world. He makes it new. And we're going to look at how he started this with a new movement that's defined by his love, founded in a new covenant that's initiated by his love and governed by a new commandment that is also fueled by his love. So let's dive in. Number one, a new movement. Now, I don't know about you guys. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. We spent some amazing time together. But I think one of the best places to see God's new movement kicking off is actually in the Christmas story. Have you guys ever noted how much movement there is in the Christmas story? I mean, you read about so many people on the move in that story. It's the shepherds. That's the poor folk, the common folk. They hear about Jesus, and they're moving. They're on their way to him. Then you read about the magi, the wise men. That's like the elite, the, the intellectuals, the rich, the, the guys. They hear about Jesus, and they're on the move. Then King Herod, government, hears about Jesus. He's, make, he's making some big moves, getting things in place, because he's threatened by this new thing. And then we read about the angels, Gabriel, bringing the good news. The angels going to the shepherds. It's like the spiritual realm is on the move. And if that is not enough, we read about the stars showing up in the sky. The cosmos is busy moving. And what kicked off all of this movement? Well, God's first move, moving himself closer. He made the first move, and that move kicked a movement into action that has never stopped and will never be stopped on this planet. And it's a move of love. 
It was kickstarted by Jesus himself. This movement is defined by a person, he himself, and his people. The people that says we follow you, this movement would be defined by his love and the way we love. In fact, Paul speaks about this, and I quickly want to read through this with you and just stand still a little bit at some of these words. It's in Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 19. You can follow on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you, and you can read with me. But he talks about how this movement of God, the church, is defined by his love. Listen to this. That's like the culture. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. Okay, so everybody say strengthened. Okay, so Paul is praying that we would have strength. So he's praying for strength, okay? What kind of strength and for what do we need this strength? So let's find out. So he says, I pray that you would be strengthened, not by anything, but by the Spirit in your inner man, the Holy Spirit. So this power, this strength comes from the Holy Spirit. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. So that's the culture. We are rooted and grounded in the love of God. What does that mean? Just quickly, rooted. When you think about a root, root draw, nourishment for the tree. So God says, where do you draw your nourishment? Where do you get your life from? If you follow me, that's what Paul is praying for. You get it from my love for you. And then grounded is the thing that, that anchors you in this life. The one thing that is 100% secure. It will never be moved no matter what storm you go through. As so beautifully was said this morning, is love is always there. It's always present. You're grounded in that. It's not your successes or your stuff that you have that grounds you in life. You don't find security. You find security in his love. So he prays that through the power of the spirit that you being rooted and grounded in his love may be able to, and here's why we need the strength. Listen to this. I pray that you would have the strength to love God with everything in you. Is that what he says? Is he praying that we would have strength to love God? Or is he praying that we would have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to knowing the life or the love of Christ which passes knowledge. I find it so interesting. See, in the straw man version of Christianity, what do we pray for? God, please give me the strength. Give me the power. I really, this year, Irene, trusting God, I'm going to love him. I'm going to do everything right. Give me the strength to love God well. Correct? Yet Paul is praying for something totally different. He says you need strength to comprehend his love for you. And just by the way, when he talks about the width, the length, the depth, the height. Paul is not busy talking about some other great metaphor. He's actually explained some of this. When he talks about the width of God's love, he talks about the fact that God's love is so wide, it's wider than the east is from the west. There's no one on this planet that is not captured by his love. He loves every single person. I hope you get what I'm saying. There's no one excluded. No matter what label the world has given you or even straw man versions of Christianity has given you. Oh, you're a sinner. You're that kind of sinner. Oh, my word. Ooh, Lorraine, have you met 
my mother-in-law. Nobody can love that lady, you know. Well, you're wrong. God's love is wide enough. No matter where you come from, may this church carry that kind of love. May this family be defined by that kind of love. May we have the strength to comprehend how big that is because we're so easily caught up in our old ways. So with, let's talk about the length. His love carries on for all of eternity. Nothing will be able to separate you from the love. It's going to go forever. It's never going to stop. The depth. There's no place that you can go. No sin that's darker that God's love cannot reach into the height. His love is so great, it seats you in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. You're right next to him. That is his love. Do you comprehend that? Or do you still think he's far away? Maybe he doesn't like you. You've sinned again. Oh, my word. No, his love can't get there. Can't love me still. May we have the strength to comprehend this. God has started a brand new thing. That movement has been going ever since. That movement is governed or secured in a new covenant. Now, when I say covenant, I realize for most people, this is a very strange word. I've already lost you when I said covenant. It sounds like some other Christianese or Chichenese or whatever you want to call it language. Oh, covenant. Yes, that's amazing. But what does that mean? I've heard something about blood and, and something like that, but I really don't understand what covenant is. So what I want to do is just quickly give you guys the difference between covenant and what we many times see, especially in a straw man version of Christianity, the engagement is a contract. So that's something that we know and we are very familiar with. We many times want to go into a contract with God. Do you guys know what a contract basically is? It's, it's this. It's a relationship that is dependent on and defined and built around a conditional agreement between the person that you are in a relationship with. So we have a very formal picture of this. You would go and rent a house, and we just did that now in Durban, and we had to sign a contract that says on this conditions, if you do pay your rent, you are allowed to use the house. That's the condition. If you don't pay your rent, you are not allowed. This relationship comes to a quick end, okay? That's the picture. And, and unfortunately, in our world, we've actually grown into a space where every relationship that we engage in becomes a contract. Even friendship relationships, as long as you are who you said you will be in this relationship, I am willing to continue being who I said I will be. So only if you stay who you promised to be will I stay. The moment you change, the moment you're not nice to me anymore, friendship is in danger, baby. Okay, that's contract relationship. God does something far more profound. He opens up a covenant relationship. And a covenant relationship is this. Covenant is built around an unconditional agreement. So what does that look like? It looks like this. Basically, it says, I will be who I promised to be in this relationship, even if you 
are not staying true to who you promised to be in this relationship. Unconditionally, regardless, I am committed to being who I am, even if you violate. That's the picture. That, that's big. You guys hear? That's why marriage is a covenant. That's the picture here. This is a massive commitment. We no longer know what it is. We've kind of missed it. This is powerful. Do you know the implications of this? It's so radical that I think we sometimes like it just flies over our head. I want you to hear this. If you are in a covenant with God, do you realize that he will never stop being who he is? He will never stop being God. And this relationship, no matter what you do, he will always stay true to what he promised to be. That's quite, quite next level. If you know what he promised to be, it's quite big. What do you think he promised to be? Oh, he made it very clear. John 1 verses 4 to 7 to 8. Oh, John 1, 4 verses 7 to 8. It says the following. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And then verse 8, he defines who he is in this relationship. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Do you know what this means? This means there will never, ever be a moment that you go to God and not be loved. Because he will always be who he said he will be in this relationship. Now, as I was preparing for this, I think this radical statement almost sounds too good to be true for so many of us. How many times have you thought about the Father as someone that's angry with you. Someone that wants to not have you in his presence at this moment. Someone that doesn't even care about you. He's neglected you. He's not interested in somebody like me. Can I just say, that picture of God, the only problem with that is the Bible. Because it's not the picture that Jesus reveals. It's a picture of a father that deeply loves us and wants to be with us. If you have that picture, your view of who God is, and your journey with him is really what? It's not what God gives us. And it's that we are now in an unconditional relationship with him. That agreement stands. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you get access to this and it is yours forever. That is big. Now, not only is that big because in the Christian, the straw man version of Christianity, what do we always think? We think it's a contract. Hmm? Correct. How many of you guys came this morning thinking yesterday, this year, God's going to like me. So I'm going to, I'm committing coming to church. Like I'm going to get my life sorted out now. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to do this thing. Like I'm thinking because why, why am I doing that? Because then God will love me. Guys, God loves you regardless. I want you to hear this truth. Whoever told you that he doesn't, it's busy with a straw man version. I've shared this example so many times. I'm going to share it again. When God says he is love, 
It's like I'm saying, it's the difference between me saying I have water versus I am water. If I say I have water, can I run out of water? Yes, the moment I give bread water, I have no more water. And you might come to me and ask me for water, but I don't have to give because I've run out, because I only have it. But when I am water standing here in front of you, there is never a moment that you will be able to come to me and not find water. That's what God says about himself. That's what he commits to be. So I want to ask you, are you ready this year to move from the old and to embrace the new? Maybe I should tell this story. So as we are in Durban, just moved down now. It's big stuff waiting. We had a few friends over and some family members over, and it was really amazing having them there. And the next moment when they left, go back to their homes, suddenly it's as of this huge fear and anxiety just comes over us. You see, we're no longer distracted by other people and chilling it out. In that moment, the reality of what is happening is busy settling in. And we realized, like, we said yes, and we don't see. I mean, we see, we trust God, but there's nothing around us right here, right now in this moment. It's chilling us out. Guys, I'm looking for a venue. If you want to pray, please continue praying for a venue, okay? And that morning as I'm praying and I'm asking God, please, Dad, please. I'm looking and I can't find. I'm looking and, I, and I'm not getting responses. Nobody's coming back. That morning as I'm sitting there, this reality hits me. He says, Lorraine, I've chosen you. I love you. Why will I not provide for you? And that morning I'm reading this story. Of Joshua, as they take in the land, and God places it on my heart that I have made a way. That same day, someone calls me, and a door is opened, and we have a venue that I did not even consider. I did not even imagine that that could be it. And the space is there. Never doubt that God loves you and that he's for you. And that he will not look after you. He is love. And not only is he love, but he challenges you and me. That's number three. In this new covenant, we get a new way of living. We are commanded. And guys, I want to say this. This is a command. This is not a suggestion. This is quite big. This is a big thing. And this is the new commandment that Jesus gives us. Now, you know, there's an old covenant, the Old Testament, and it had the old commandment. And then there's now a new covenant that Jesus did because he's a new thing, and this has a new commandment. And the commandment's kind of like the terms and the, of the agreement. How are we living in this relationship? What's your role in this relationship? What's my role in this relationship? That's kind of the picture, yeah? Okay. The old covenant had old commandments. Anybody knows about them? The Ten Commandments, no? Okay, so we know about them. We've heard about them quite a lot. The new covenant 
has a new commandment. It's the law of love, and it goes like this. Love, nice quote with me. You know? Love the Lord. Is that the one that you're going, love your God with all your heart, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? Anybody know that one? Okay, that is unfortunately not the new commandment. That's only a summary of the old commandment when a teacher of the law comes to Jesus and he asks him, what's the most important law in the old covenant? And Jesus answers him and he's correct. It's exactly that. Unfortunately, we miss out. We still live in that world. We don't know about the new commandment God has given us. And we find that in John 13 verse 34. I want you to read it with me. It says the following. Jesus saying to his disciples, he says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And then verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How will the world know that you follow Jesus? By the way you love who? God or the person sitting next to you? That guy, that the taxi coming in before you. That enemy, that squirm mark, you know. The way you love is what defines whether they will know whether you follow him or not. And this is quite profound. I want to quickly show you guys how profound it is. Firstly, there's quite a few things that change. And I've mentioned this quite a few times before. But the first thing that changes is the focus of the love. From the old covenant to the new covenant changes. From the old commandment to the new commandment. The focus of love in the old commandment is love the Lord your God. That's the first thing. Love God. And then love your neighbor. Here it is. Love one another. As God has loved you. So the focus of Christianity should be to love the world around you. That should be your primary focus. How do you, you know, I've had so many chats with people about this. And um, have you ever heard about people talking about mature Christians? You know, like I'm a mature. That, whoa, that man, he's a solid Christian. He's solid. Oaks. It's like next level. Have you heard that before? So the other day I had a young oak coming to me and he's like, Irene, when do you know when you are a mature Christian? When like next level, when you're up there? And um, yes, he was expecting me to answer him saying, yeah, well, you definitely need to know your Bible. And uh, do you know how many books there are? And do you know at least can you quote a few key scriptures and stuff like that? And, uh, and I said to him, you know how you measure maturity? You measure it in your capacity to love as Jesus has loved you. If you want to know what it looks like to be a mature follower of Jesus, how much do you love? How much do you love the guy sitting next to you? That is how we measure this. Okay? Not God. Love your neighbor. Love the person next to you. Okay, so the focus of love, first thing that changes. It's important to love the one next. In fact, there's actually a story about this. Sorry, I just want to double click on this again. Jesus is so big on this that he tells the disciples they're in a conversation about bringing sacrifices to God. And in the old covenant, that's the way you say to God, I love you. And we do it still today. Like, God, I love you. I'm, I'm spending, I'm sacrificing my time. 
to love you. I'm spending more time with you. I'm sacrificing my money. I'm paying my tithe. I'm showing you that I'm loving you. It's all about just sacrifices. And to kind of reconcile this relationship. And then Jesus says to them, you know, when you're standing in that row and you recognize that you have something against your brother, who's, who's loving that, the horizontal relationship, not the vertical one. He says, you leave this relationship right there and you go where? To your brother. Why is he not saying, oh, guys, you better make sure that you get into the front of the queue, sort out our journey with God immediately. As the church would always tell us, sort out your relationship with God. No, God has already done that. His love is enough. Your love will never be enough to sort out that relationship. His love is enough. That's what you need to discover so that you can go and love as he has loved. So that's the first thing that changes the focus. Secondly, the standard. So here is the shocking thing. The Ten Commandments does not apply to you anymore. And why? Because they're way too low of a standard. Way too low. Jesus knocks the guy's socks off when he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he's like, you heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery. Well, that's a bit low. And that's not how you love your neighbor. Do not even look at a woman with lustful eyes. Because you're starting the road. You're no longer loving. That's the picture. So he's higher standard. And listen to this. It's even in the commandment. He says, the commandment here is love your neighbor as yourself. The new commandment is love as he has loved you. And Jesus loved us in this way by giving up his life when we didn't deserve it. He didn't just give up some of his time or some of his possessions. He gave up everything to show you that he loves you. And he's challenging us as his church, this movement, to do the same. Can you imagine with me for a moment? Imagine what a world will look like when you actually love like that. Can you imagine? Last thing that changes is the source of God's love. Now, before I talk about the source, just quickly want to ask you guys. If you really sit down and you think about loving as radical as this, really radical. Where would you find the power? Like, I'm, God, okay, I'm going to really try. That's usually where we go. We immediately go to, I'm going to try harder this year. I'm going to love my neighbor. That, that guy that's, that's bugging me the whole time, he's irritating me. Have you seen how his garden looks? He never cuts his grass. Lorraine. I'm like, mm, kind of vibes. I'm going to love this guy this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try hard. I'm going, in fact, I'm going home today right after this, and I'm going to make him a nice cup of tea. And it's going to be nice. I'm not going to put in any bad stuff in that tea. It's going to be good. I'm going to get a nice cake, and I'm going to bless him. Yeah? So you start thinking about those things. Be nice to this guy. Let me tell you, it will never last. Because you're going to a resource that doesn't have the capacity to feel the kind of love that God wants us to love with. And you see that so clearly in the old commandment. Love the Lord your God with what? With your and with your and with your. It's all coming from you. It's your strength, your mind, your soul, your heart. 
Now this love comes from a different place. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. Guys, do you know that there's only two things you need to do in this life? If you're part of Jesus' movement, two things. Know that you are unimaginably loved by God. And know that he's asking you to love in that same way to the person next to you. Let's pray. Dad, as we are reflecting on this huge truth, the one thing that defines your movement, that makes the church the church, is our capacity to love you. Father, I want to come and pray. I want to pray for hearts that's hungry to follow you. For people that's ready to take up what you've given us to take to this world. Almost like I'm standing on attention and I'm taking every tool that you're giving me and the main tool is love. Dad, as we're going to discover what it looks like to redefine and how you've redefined what love looks like for everybody around us, I want to come and pray at this very moment. If you want to take that love, if you want to embrace it today, Maybe you've grown up in Christian worlds where you've heard about Jesus, but you've never experienced this love. Why don't you just like open up your hands and say, Jesus, I want to invite you. I want to embrace that. That is something that you're longing for. I want to give you that opportunity. There's only one that can make this real, and it's his Holy Spirit. Dad, every hand that's open, every heart that's open and ready for this, Father, I pray that you would pour out your love in abundance into our hearts, that we may walk as children of love in this city, and that your love will transform the world around us as we know it, bringing everything back to life, making it new. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.